0: This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. My favorite week of the year is not a vacation week. It's not my birthday week or my kids' birthday weeks. It's not, you know, the week that school comes back in session. (laughs) Any of those things that we might look forward to throughout the calendar year. My favorite week every single year is the days between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. That last week of the year, after a busy, full, sometimes frantic holiday season, but before the fresh start of a new year, it's just a quieter week in general. In Los Angeles, the city is literally quieter. There are less people on the road Feels like the online chatter is generally quieter. Our home feels quieter, even though everyone is around. It's just that kind of dip after a big, you know, kind of moment, which is Christmas around here. And I also really love it because it's extra reflective. It is literally the last week of the year, so a lot of people, even if this is your personality or not, a lot of people are sort of looking back at the same time they're looking forward. People are kind of taking stock or just resting or just thinking or noticing. Maybe over the holidays you heard from people you hadn't heard from in other parts of the year or you didn't hear from them in some way. Like, it just feels like there's so many opportunities around the holiday time that lead us into this reflective spirit for that last week of the year. And I mean, I live in a reflective spirit. Like, I love introspection. I love my journal prompts. Of course, this is what a lot of this show is about. And so that last week of the year is like the pinnacle (laughs) for someone like me who wants to look back, who wants to look forward, who really wants to be noticing where we are in our life. And so, every year around this time, I ask a lot of questions. You know, I have prompts that I work through myself that I like to share with you. This is the first time in a couple of years we've actually done 10 questions for the end of the year. Last year after putting this show on hiatus for almost all of 2022, when I came back, I did 10 questions for starting over, which was very appropriate for last December. If that's where you are in your life, if you feel like maybe you are in the mood to do introspection around starting over, that episode, those questions still exist. I'll link to them in the show notes. I've also done episodes about, you know, 10 things, 10 questions when you're in the middle of something, if that feels like that fits where you are. But Today, we're going to walk through 10 questions for the end of the year. And as always, I want you to engage in these questions in whichever way makes sense to you. If you're driving around, if you're cooking, if you're wrapping presents while you're listening to this, and you can just get your kind of wheels turning as you're just thinking about your own year and what it meant and what mattered, all of that. If that's all that comes out of an episode like this, great. You know, that's enough. I just want people to be sort of thinking about it. And thinking about it is plenty. If you want to take it to the next level and journal some of it out, then I would love that. I will post all of the prompts online. I'll also be leading a few Instagram lives, journal parties that I do on Instagram. If you want to watch that space and let's walk through a few of these questions together. I do these kind of live journaling where it's like timed and (laughs) you can go back and watch it if you aren't able to join us live. But it sort of helps, I think, to do some of this journaling. You know, sometimes it feels daunting to sit down and do it by yourself. So when we do it collectively as a group, it kind of helps a little bit. So I'll be doing some of that in these last couple of weeks of the year. So be watching my Instagram at laura.tremaine. That will also be in anticipation of Journaling for Grownups, which is my class I am bringing back in January. Journaling for Grownups is a very short little course where I teach journaling for (laughs) grownups. Four different types of journaling that I think will really help you that are not just dear diary or however we learned to journal or however we think about journaling in general. I dispel some of those myths and I teach you how to journal in a way that will be a really good tool for your growth, for your life, for documentation, for just processing thoughts It's a short course. It's very fun. It's called Journaling for Grownups. That will be coming in January. So if you enjoy this type of, you know, prompt episode or introspection, or you want to do more of this, you will want to join us for that. So pay attention to my social media, and I'll also mention it here when that is available to purchase. And then, of course, the next level to thinking about these prompts and then journaling about these prompts the other way that you can engage with these questions for the end of the year is to bring them up in conversation, bring them to the dinner table, bring them on a road trip in the car, you know, bring them to a loved one, a friend, a text thread, a teenager, whoever in your life that you feel like would benefit from walking through these questions as an exercise of, you know, looking inward or as a point of connection between the two of you or, you know, in a whole family or a group, just getting to know one another a little bit better. Even when you're in a family, you are going to answer these questions, you know, differently from one another. And so there's going to be some surprises. It really can, you know, be a nice little thing to do with someone else as a way to sort of get out your own stuff and to hear theirs and connect with one another and sort of see the year from one another's points of view. These are the ways that I like to engage these prompt episodes, listening and thinking, journaling, or of course, bringing it to one another as a point of connection. So these 10 questions, as always, are meant for you to take them and make them your own. I like to share a little bit about what I'm thinking behind posing the question, you know, what type of answers I'm going to have for myself. Again, just to kind of get your own juices flowing, your own wheels turning on what type of answer you may have, something that you might not have thought of before. Just if you read the question alone, it doesn't quite bring the depth that I'm hoping for each of these prompts. So we're going to walk through all 10 of them together. We're going to start, number one, from a place that we often do, because I like to start In a a good place, (laughs) in a positive place. The first question is, what are the most standout moments of 2023? Now, I worded that that way on purpose, standout moments, because of course, that can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people. I do think it's nice when you're kind of getting in this mode of thinking about the year to just... Make a list, either just kind of keeping it in your brain, keeping it in your notes app, keeping it in your journal, of the standout moments of the year. This isn't a definitive list. Don't get, like, tangled up in this being perfection. But what are the standout things of the whole year? Now, a lot of times the most immediate things come to mind that are very obvious. You know, they might be, like, a graduation, a milestone birthday, a big trip or a promotion or something like that. Like the very first thing that comes to mind is definitely a standout of the year. But just sort of taking a few minutes and not stopping there and letting yourself sort of wander through the different months like last winter, the early spring, the summertime, because obviously the big moments of our lives should be noted, but those are not going to be completely forgotten. There are other standout moments in our year that you are going to want to sort of just take note of or think of because they might come up throughout the rest of these prompts, like you might refer back to them. And also because this like marks a time. You know, a lot of these prompts are marking a time. When you look back and you're like, what am I going to remember about 2023? And some of us have memories that are like actually tied to what year something was and and maybe not. Like sometimes it's hard for me to remember exactly what year certain things happened. I don't tie them to like that number, if you know what I mean. But I can look back at certain seasons and be like, oh, yes, this happened. And then this happened. This was a standout moment for me. Now, again, the word standout can be defined uh, several different ways because sometimes standout moments are hard. They were difficult things that happened. And that still counts as a standout moment, of course. And I like to just list these things. Like I said, again, just pull out your phone and just jot down a few things that were standout moments. Don't judge your answer here. Like if something that someone else might deem an obscure moment of 2023, but it's a standout for you for some reason. It happened in your personal life, in your work, in your you know health, anything that is a standout moment to you. Don't judge what makes it stand out right now or that you have to justify that it was a standout moment. Just make a note of it. This was a standout moment for me. And maybe I'm going to share it with others, and maybe I'm not. But at the end of the year, this is what is coming to my mind when I think of this. It's interesting to make these notes here because sometimes our standout moments, again, if they're not huge, you know, that everyone's going to remember, big family moments, when you look back in a few years, you might think, wow, I forgot that that happened. It felt like such a standout in the end of 2023. But, you know, a few years down the road, you're going to have forgotten some of the things that seem like a really big deal now. This is exactly one of the reasons that I like to journal or that I like to keep notes like this, whether you call it journaling or not, just little notes on your phone, in your planner, or even have conversations where it's maybe not documented so much, but it was an occasion that was marked, you said it out loud, someone might, you know, carry that memory for you in the future. And so when we're noticing standout moments, we might even be like thinking in our mind, this was an obvious standout, or like, this is sort of a unusual standout, but it's, it's coming to mind. So I'm not going to question it, I'm not going to judge it, I'm just going to write it down. So that was number one. What was the standout moments of 2023? We start there just to get our sort of like (laughs) wheels turning as we really start to settle into thinking about the entirety of 2023. Now, number two, we're gonna jump right in with what is something you would do differently if given the chance? Now, again, I've worded this carefully because I think your approach to a question like this can really matter. What is something you would do differently if given the chance? So as you look back at the year, thinking about the things that could have been approached differently, handled differently, a lot of us are doing the best that we can all the time with the information that we have, with the capacity that we have in that moment, sort of intellectually or emotionally or energetically, we're doing the best that we can. And yet you can look back and say, yeah, if I could do that differently, I would. So here's some examples. I would handle that conversation differently. I would do the logistics of that trip really differently. I would react to this differently if I were given the chance. I would not take the leap or I would take the leap when I had that moment. There was a fork in the road and maybe I would have taken the other side if I had just another opportunity to try again. And this is a chance for us to be really honest with ourselves. You know, a lot of times we sweep stuff under the rug or, you know, we just are like, well, yep, I would do that differently, but marching forward, you know, we don't let ourselves... Think too much about it, depending on how serious of a transgression we're talking about. Or maybe it's not a transgression, but a thing that we would have done differently. Sort of depends on how serious that thing is or not. But we don't let ourselves dwell on it because we, you know, what's done is done. We want to just move forward, or we feel like we did make amends. Maybe we offered apologies. Maybe we acknowledged at the time that this is something that, you know, could have been done differently. And that's it. We're done with it. But in this end of the year space, it's not that we want to drudge up all of these things that maybe we dealt with along the way or didn't. It's just this is what this space is for. And so acknowledging, whether for the first time or again, yes, I would do this differently, it's healthy. It can truly provide like healing or insight And it doesn't mean you have to like dredge it all out and lose sleep over it again if it's that level of a thing. It's just an acknowledgement. It's part of this process. And then here's something about this also that I meant to say at the beginning. If you are doing prompts like this with someone else, adjust your expectations for how this conversation might go down. So if you're really hoping that your partner or your loved one or your kiddo, whoever, is going to answer questions like this or or anything else, like really specifically, like you're looking for their answer here, don't do that. Don't do that. If it requires a conversation that is really specific and pointed where you are looking for an apology or looking for an acknowledgement. or you need to offer an apology or an acknowledgement. That is a separate conversation from this. When you are doing prompt questions like this as a point of connection, then try really hard to release the other person's answers. This matters so much. And I tell you, I learned this the hard way because I am married to someone who does not love to do these prompts with me. I make him anyway, but it's not like his favorite conversation he's ever had. It's not the way his brain and heart works. It's it's a little bit like pulling teeth. <laughs> Same with teenagers. They might not give you some deep, introspective answer, or any of your loved ones or friends, even. Like, if you are looking for something out of the conversation beyond just, you know, hoping for a bit of a good conversation, good connection. Try not to look for something specific, I guess, is what I'm saying. Try not to judge if their answers stay high level or kind of shallow. They don't go maybe as deep as you're hoping. These kind of conversations are great for connection and for deepening, but you can't put like so much pressure on one conversation, one prompt, one exercise together to crack everything wide open. These are baby steps. You're practicing having these types of conversations. You're practicing sharing your stuff. You're practicing listening to theirs. But I think that you can get disappointed, ask me how I know, if you are really hoping that this is going to be this heart-to-heart that you've always envisioned. It just might not be. And we still are going to engage in the practice of sharing ourselves, looking for connection and accepting and noticing what comes out of conversations like this. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping. Available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get five dollars off a Lumi starter pack with code U at LumiDeodorant.com. That equates to forty percent off your starter pack when you visit Lumi L-U-M-E Deodorant D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com and use code you, Y-O-U. Okay, so that second prompt was what is something you would do differently if given the chance? So we're starting off our first two questions, standout moments. What would you do differently? Like now we're in it, right? Like now you are into the introspection of the year. Those are two questions designed to really make you look at some positive things and some hard things and like, You know, get it all out on the table right here at the beginning. So then number three is who did you have the most meaningful interactions with? So if you've been around for a while, you know that this is one of my favorite prompts and questions and things to probe towards because like I was mentioning earlier for standout moments, some things get lost in the shuffle. When we look back, we look at really big like events And we sometimes forget to notice moments that are like interactions, like moments of connection. And I know that they add up in our life. And it's not that we forget them entirely, but we don't always give them the same kind of weight as like big, fancy, notable events. And it is these interactions in our life that make up a life, that give us fulfillment, that get us closer to ourselves and who we want to be. That, you know, make up our relationships. And so this question, number three, who did you have the most meaningful interactions with is also worded carefully in a way of like it might not always be the best. Sometimes we want to take a moment to notice that was a really hard conversation. And I definitely (laughs) do not want to return to that hard conversation, but it was a meaningful interaction that meant something, that spurred some action, that gave me some real perspective. There are lots of different ways that we can have meaningful interactions that it is nice to take notice of here at the end of the year. And these are not always going to be like same as not being, you know, big events. These are might always be these explosive conversations, declarations of love or arguments, or like meaningful interactions can be so simple. One of the things that made a huge difference in my year was a text message. And I'm going to talk about this in a future episode, because it was so meaningful to me. But on the morning of a big event, I got a text from, she's a friend, but she's not a dear friend. She's like more than an acquaintance, but not like a a dear close friend at all she sent me the most beautiful text about my event that day that i it stopped me all the way down like i took a screenshot of it i have held on to the words that she texted over me if you will like all year long i got this moment of encouragement from not a stranger again but like an, a very unexpected source very unexpected and it was so beautiful and so meaningful and so for me this was barely an interaction i mean i re- i replied back to her like thank you so much but in terms of a moment of of connection and interaction it is one of the things that i'm writing down here in answer to this question who did you have the most meaningful interactions with because It was so special to me in the moment. And again, it was a text message. It wasn't like a big sit down, you know, we need to talk or a beautiful moment you would write poetry about or something. It wasn't that. It was a a fairly simple moment that meant everything to me right at that time. And they were just beautiful words. It taught me A lot actually, that one interaction. And so there are things like that that I want us to take notice of with the most meaningful interactions. Someone who maybe said something to you that took you off guard or was, you know, a wonderful compliment, something to receive. Maybe it's something you said. Maybe it was a meaningful interaction that originated with you. You needed to say something to someone and you know, it just came right out of you. Or maybe it was a big deal. It was a sit-down conversation or it was a very important email or some kind of interaction that really was like definitely a standout, but it doesn't have to be. So these can be, as you're just brainstorming them, what interactions really made a difference in your year? Not that like the world changed after the interaction, but it's something you will remember. Something was said or expressed, even a hug is an interaction. An interaction with someone else on a social media thread can sometimes cause a light bulb moment. We know this. So whatever this interaction is, it might be blurry in the rearview mirror. It might be an imperfect remembrance, but this is the time to note those things. Who did you have the most meaningful interactions with. And in this case, you are making a note of what the interaction was, what was said or done. And then the who, of course, is a big part of this question. Was it a loved one, an acquaintance, a coworker, a stranger on the internet? So it's a little bit of a two parter in whatever the interaction was and then who it was that offered that interaction. Okay, number four. Where did you spend most of your time? So every time I do certain prompts like this, I always want to include at least one question about location. I think location and space matters. I think where we spend our lives affects our lives so greatly. Did you spend a huge part of your year in your car in your cubicle, in your kitchen, in your bed, at your friend's house, you know, at work, on a walk, listing the wares of your life is like a really intentional moment because some of the things that we do, we do on autopilot. We drive our cars You know, we do our morning walk that we love, but we do the same route every day. And, you know, maybe that's on autopilot. Our homes, different parts of our homes, that of course, like we spend a lot of time in the bathroom, in our bedroom, in the kitchen. Like, even if we love those spaces, sometimes we can get a little bit blind to them. And so this is sort of noticing wow, I spent a lot of time here. And, obviously it affected my mood if i was you know spending a lot of time outside if i was spending a lot of time at my office and my work environment like what did that feel like because not only are we naming it we're saying i spent a lot of time here it forces us then to sort of think about it what about that space did affect my mood like do i feel very grateful that i spent a huge Chunk of my year in the car because, you know, I'm really glad to have a working car and it means I'm driving my kids around and I feel lucky to do that. Or the opposite. Did we spend a lot of time in a place where we think, gosh, this is not the where, (laughs) this is not the location that I would have chosen for myself? This is a little bit of a weird example on this particular question, but I have spent the majority of December. Actually, if not all of December, sick in my bed. And, you know, that's just one little sliver of the year. It's not like I, you know, have spent the majority of the year in my bed. But one thing that made a difference to that location, because I have been battling some uh, sickness, and you can probably hear it in my voice right now, but for the first time ever, we got, and I did this before I got sick, we got a pink Christmas tree for our bedroom. I know it was just a silly like whim thing that my sister-in-law and I were joking around over Thanksgiving. We both ended up ordering these (laughs) colored trees for our bedroom and we got this pink tree for our bedroom. And as I have spent the last couple of weeks in my bed, not feeling well, the glow of that pink tree has made a huge (laughs) difference in that space. And I said it to Jeff, my husband, like, I was like, this is the best part of having to be stuck in this room is that I have the beautiful glow of this pink tree. And I'm so glad we got it. Would it have made a difference to all these hours spent sleeping? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. But for sure, as I am like sort of making notes of the different wares of my year one of the things that comes up for me right now is that I've spent the majority of this month in my bedroom with that pink tree glowing. And it can be little observations like that. Like if you spent the majority of your time in a section of your home or or your work, like what about that section felt like a notable where? You know, so like if you are used to Being on your couch with your pets. You know, if that feels like home to you right now, that feels like aware for you, then that is, you know, how you answer this question, which is, again, where did you spend most of your time? That was number four. Number five, what is something you are really proud of in 2023? So I've kind of avoided this question in the past when we've done different prompts and things, even though I know that it comes up for a lot of people, like name something you're really proud of in your year. And I know that it's me, it's me, not you, not anyone else that steers away from this question or have steered around it in the past. And I think it's because there's something about naming what we're proud of, that feels condescending to me. Now, not the act of being proud of it. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. We should be proud of our account- accomplishments and shout them from the rooftops. And I love that piece of it. But there is something that I feel, this is just within myself, that feels a little bit like kindergarten to be like, I am proud of myself for this, you know? And so I kind of avoided this question, but as I was prepping for this episode, prepping for my own journaling and and things for the end of the year, this one kept coming back up and I just couldn't avoid it. Again, I don't misunderstand me. I want us to be proud of ourselves. It just feels like in conversation, I don't have any problem with bragging or like necessarily tooting our own horn. I don't know what it is. I think it's because... Sometimes when you can when you say to a friend or anyone i'm so proud of you sometimes it can feel like that comes from a place of authority talking to a subordinate right like i tell my kids i'm proud of them because they're you know doing things for the first time or like i've had bosses or something tell me they're proud of me because they have seen me you know sort of accomplish something but On a peer level, on an equal footing, it sometimes feels a little bit weird to say, like, I'm proud of you. I feel like I'm not giving this exactly the right (laughs) words because we should definitely be proud of one another. It almost just feels like I do not want this listing of our accomplishments or actually feeling like we are proud of ourselves to have any whiff of being condescending. Because that is not the spirit of this question, especially when we're answering it for ourselves. So where this might come up might be where that might feel a little bit weird in a group conversation or even on a one-on-one conversation. But when we're thinking about it for ourselves, when we're journaling, I want us to try, maybe I'm only speaking to myself, I want us to try to drop any of those like sort of uncomfortable feelings of like bragging or, or um, feeling like we're, You know, it's juvenile in any way because it's not. And what matters about this prompt is to actually acknowledge that we have done something of note. And this does not mean like, I mean, I published a book this year. I am. I'm totally proud of myself. And also, not everyone's going to have a big, huge thing like that every single year. Of course, certainly I don't. A lot of times what we're proud of for ourselves can be like we got through something with integrity, we handled ourselves well, we are proud that we made a goal and stuck to it. We can be proud of so many things in our life that don't always get public recognition. I guess maybe this is my itch with the word proud is that there are some things that feel like very obvious, like you know, in a work sense or something. And then some of the things that feel very internal, like I am really proud of myself for XYZ, we just don't get a chance to express that very often. And so maybe this is why that feels uncomfortable for me or maybe for you to really say, like, I am proud that I met this deadline or followed through or brought something to a natural close. Like, we can be proud of ourselves in ways that other people can't see. And that, you know, aren't obvious that someone's going to pat you on the back for it, right? Because it is our own internal growth. It is our own struggle that we're the only ones who really knows like that we went through it. And we're the only ones who can really be proud of ourselves for it. One of the things that I am most proud of myself for this year, are they are work-related, but they're not the actual things. So I tried a lot of new stuff in my work this year. Like, you know, I just tried some new things. I threw a couple of events. I you know, invested in some things monetarily, like I tried some things in my work. But for me, when I'm journaling this through, or even even talking this through, what I'm proud of is not that I did the actual thing, although I'm glad I did. What I'm proud of is that I got myself to an emotional space where I was willing to try these things. So that might feel like a little bit of semantics, like, oh, I pulled off an event weekend. Sure, that is pride worthy what I'm really secretly more proud of for myself is that I got myself to a place where I'm willing to try those things. That is more impressive to myself than actually logistically throwing a party. So when you're thinking of what you are actually proud of, your answer might be different in your journal than it is if you're saying this one out loud to someone. Like, what are you really proud of? You made it through 2023 for better or worse we made it through right here we are at the end of it there are going to be things that you are openly or secretly proud of and that's how you're going to answer this prompt number five is what is something you're really proud of in 2023 okay number six is one of the best ones for conversations but even if you're just doing this for yourself. This can be such a good, like, time capsule. I am always so grateful that I have these lists. This is the type of list I keep on my phone, because I can just look back and remember. Number six is, which books, podcasts, TV shows, movies, and music will stay with you? (laughs) Okay, so that's a big question, you know, several questions all in one, but it's basically asking, which pieces of art will stay with you? Which pieces, I guess it doesn't have to be art, if it can be like journalism or work by other people, really affected your year, either because you loved it so much, because it was so compelling, something that you will not forget on a global stage, or it's just something even really small and local and specific to you. I love to make these lists. I keep these lists on my phone in the Notes app or sometimes in the Evernote app where I just have, you know, my favorite books. Of course, that's something that I keep a lot of track of, but also just like podcasts, podcast episodes, TV shows, movies, if you're a you know a music person then maybe you got your year end sort of wrap up so you can see exactly what you were listening to all year. I keep those things. They are truly time capsules into who we are in this moment of what things are affecting us. And sometimes they're like big pop culture conversations where everybody's talking about them, you know, everyone's going to remember this year of the Eras tour for Taylor Swift or the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer or the things that like were national, international conversations for months that you can't really get away from. I still make notes of those because it did, you know, impact our cultural conversation. And then things that really stood out to you, like certain podcast episodes or podcast series or documentaries, something that you watched that you're like, wow, I cannot believe you know, that this really affected me in this way, or I'll just never forget this. Certain follows on social media, if Like you found someone that was really speaking directly into your soul or speaking on a topic where you learned a lot, that can fall into a list like this of which books, podcasts, TV shows, movies, and music will stay with you. Now, much like the first question where we're just talking about standout moments of the year, do not stress yourself out with this having to be like a definitive list, (laughs) I feel like I have to remind myself of this. No one is grading your list. No one is like going to police it and tell you that this thing didn't really matter or if this isn't on your list, you messed up or you know anything like that. When you are talking about this with someone else, and this, again, is a really great one for conversation and of like all the prompts. If you're at a holiday table, this is one to just sort of toss out to the table it's a little bit like lower stakes just to see what people loved. And, you know, don't judge other people's answers. And they're not going to judge you like it's not that deep. We're not putting together like a (laughs) documentary of our 2023 where we really have to nail it. No, this is a brainstorm. This is, you know, scrolling through your different apps, if you wanted to see like, what you watched or or listened to, to make a difference. But like, don't get so perfectionist about lists like this. It's okay if you remember something later <laughs> or if you include something that then later you look back and you're like, yeah, I don't know why I put that. That wasn't that really didn't make a difference to my year. This is one of the more fun questions, and again, very time capsule. Because think how many times now, like Do you ever get those memes that come up that it's like whatever song was number one on your birthday is the song of your life or whatever song was number one the year you graduated high school or, you know, whatever. These different kind of things that you can come up and look at. It makes you very nostalgia that that was the movie that was, you know, won the Oscar that year. That was the hit song. That was the documentary that changed everybody's perspective on something. It's interesting to look back and note those things. And so this is just for funsies. And, you know, maybe you might want to use a little like Google if you want to see what the different hits were so that you can be like, oh, yeah, I watched that earlier in the year and I really loved it. Because, you know, memories, sometimes stuff that happened the first quarter, first two quarters of the year, sometimes they get lost in these exercises because we all have recency bias, of course, which is why it's fun if you have certain apps to keep track of some of those things along the way. If you use Goodreads to track your reading or Storygraph to track your reading, you know, if you, like I said, if you use a music app that's going to tell you what your top songs were, like those are like fun tools and it's definitely maybe a little bit easier to keep track of certain things like that as you're going. I use just the fact that I share things throughout the year as a a way of documenting. You know, I can go back and look and see everything that I shared on social media and just do a quick browse to see like, oh, yeah, I did love that podcast episode on something that I shared back in March. And I definitely would have, you know, perhaps forgotten that if I hadn't had you know, a tool to help me along. So for sure, use everything at your disposal to make these little time capsules for our year, which number six is, which books, podcasts, TV shows, movies, and music will stay with you? Number seven, everyone's waiting on this one, I feel like, because I always ask it in different versions, but it's, you know, maybe one of the most important questions in any of these prompts ever. Number seven is, What is the biggest lesson you learned this year? Now, this is a question I ask myself and ask of you every single year. And every single year, it is different. The answers are different. You know, I put together an episode every year that speaks to this. I will have an episode coming out in the next few weeks that's like things I learned in the year or takeaways from the year. They're all sort of based around the biggest lessons of my year and this year I've had this rattling around in my brain for weeks and it is been painful I'm just going to be honest like this question is not full of glee because usually when you're asking yourself what are the biggest lessons that I learned this year most of the time we're learning lessons out of something not amazing (laughs) you know maybe we made a mistake Maybe we learned something about someone else or about our position in the world, or our relationships or our job. And sometimes it's we like literally got outside knowledge that taught us this lesson. Or like I said, sometimes there's a mistake. Sometimes life just changes. And learning lessons, even the shallow ones to like the hard, deep, heart-centered lessons can be some of the hardest parts of adulthood. And I keep thinking like you're going to get to a place where you, (laughs) you are maybe learning less lessons each year. Like you've learned the big universal ones and then maybe like maybe it plateaus a little bit for a minute. That is such wishful thinking, at least in my life. There has been no plateauing of learning lessons. (laughs) the lessons. <laughs> I continue to learn some of the same lessons over and over, which is its own degree of frustrating. And then new things have come up that maybe I would have never expected. I'm sure the same is true for you. Now, when you're sitting down to either journal this kind of prompt out or have a conversation with someone, you don't have to like immediately go for the jugular, <laughs> unless, unless that's the first thing that comes to mind. But saying, you know, like the biggest, deepest, hardest one. You don't have to start there. You never have to start there. You can start with smaller lessons that you learned. Like, I learned not to run out of gas on the highway. I learned that I should replace my computer before it dies and I lose everything. I mean, I don't know. It it can just be like sort of like, well, that was a stupid lesson I had to learn to the deeper, you know, emotional, things that we can learn about how we move through the world, how others are moving through the world, the things that we've had to learn that can be really hard, that we have made a mistake around or someone else made a mistake that taught us the lesson, right? Like this is one of the hardest questions, but this is one of the most important things that we can ask ourselves at the end of anything, at the end of a project, at the end of a relationship, at the end of every month, if you want, but certainly at the end of every year, what lesson did I learn here? And be brutally honest about it, at least when you're talking to yourself and journaling about it. Like, be like, yeah, this is not a lesson that I wanted to learn. And unfortunately, I did. I do think if you're using this prompt in a group sort of conversation, that even if you don't go to the depths of your soul, because that's so vulnerable, depending on who you're talking to. But even just having this conversation, opening the door to this conversation in your family, even at the holiday dinner table, if you want to toss this one out for everyone. But it can really be illuminating to hear what other people are learning. And While this is like sort of inherently a very inward question, I love asking people this question if they're willing to share like what they're learning right now, what they've learned recently, what they learned from an event, because it can really take us out of our own navel gazing. I'm not against navel gazing, but from what we are really sort of circling the drain around to hear what other people are going through. And sometimes this is the perfect way to frame that like to frame it as a lesson learned as opposed to just like saying what's your biggest struggle right now or what are you walking through or something that it feels hard to answer those questions sometimes it feels really hard to articulate whole seasons or whole struggles but it might be easier to articulate what you're learning and I think that this can be a really a beautiful point of connection in a conversation you know might not be like the first thing that you toss out with someone but you know if you're really if you're doing like a catch-up with someone who's long distance or an old friend, when you haven't seen in a while starting the conversation here instead of like give me a summation of everything that's going on in your life right now starting with like what are you learning right now or what have you learned this year and it will really open the door this question to so many things so that was number seven what is the biggest lesson you learned this year Number eight, this is my favorite question on the whole list. I always have a favorite. This is this year's favorite. Number eight is, what era are you in right now? So yes, this was like loosely (laughs) based on Taylor Swift and her eras tour and just looking at different eras, but I really like This question, and I have meditated on it for myself for like since before Thanksgiving. I've been thinking about it for a few different reasons, not the least of which is the end of the year. But identifying what era you are in right now. This can be as silly as you want it to be, or it can really be identifying something vastly important to you or somewhere in between. There can be different answers depending on who you're talking to. There can be different answers depending on if you're talking about your work life, your personal life, your home life, your age. You know, like there's going to be a lot of different ways that you can look at this one. But there's something very fun to me about identifying, like, I am in my podcast era. (laughs) I am in my author era. I am in my volleyball mom era and sort of seeing in a kind of funny way, but also in a truly kind of an identifying way of what you mean when you say that. So are you saying like, this is what consumes a lot of my day? This is the uniform that I put on for this particular part of my identity? This is aspirational? Or this is not something I'm choosing? And that kind of defines the era within itself. This is my unemployment era, let's say. Well, this might not be something that you're choosing, but maybe if you're giving it an identity, it's not lightening up uh, whatever the circumstance is, but it is maybe sort of letting you have a lightness around it and see, like, okay, well, who am I going to be in this era, whether I chose it or not? Of course, there's also like, like I said, aspirational eras, if you're like, well, I'm going to move into my yoga era and I'm going to become a yogi now, or this is going to be my literary era where, you know, this is what I want for 2024. This is the era that I am looking forward. Now, the actual prompt, I really am hoping that people will really think, what era am I in? Because, the era that you want to be in the aspirational era might look really really different and i think of course there's always so much value in identifying where we are currently like this is my era and when i look back this will i will be able to identify it as such and it will have a it has a flavor to it again whether i like it or not and You can have a lot of fun with this one, especially in a group conversation of just how people are seeing themselves right now and how they're sort of thinking about this period of time that they will look back upon. Of course, eras are like, how long is a short stick? You know, you can be in an era that lasts two months. I'm in my holiday era. Or you can look back and be like, oh, no, this was a decade of my life. This is my Los Angeles era or whatever. and. All angles of this are welcome, especially in conversation when you're just sort of hearing how other people see themselves. Are they looking at just right now, end of 2023? Are they looking at a bigger picture? And how are they going to look back at it? I think this one can be very fun and sort of silly, but also truly illuminating. Now, if you're doing this in your journal which is something that I think I want to explore a little bit on one of the journal parties is looking at our own era is not just the fun side of it, although I love the fun side of it, but also truly looking a little bit deeper and be like, what era am I in? Like actually sequins and outfits and silliness aside, like what era is this for me? And is this the era that I want to be in? Is this an era that I will write my songs about metaphorically? Because I'm not writing any songs. Is this, I'm going to identify the era that I'm in, and then I'm also going to, if I'm alone or with my journal, look at, is this the era I want to be in? We don't always get to choose, of course, but this gives us a framework, I suppose, to really notice, and maybe appreciate where we are, maybe see where we want to go. And I just think this can be a fun prompt, again, to toss out at the holiday table, to take on a road trip, to take to your journal, but really to have with someone else, even if you want to just text your best friend to be like, all right, what era are we in? And everyone answer that one. If there are, you know, no other questions in these 10 prompts. This is the one I think might kind of define the list this year is talking about what era we are in, how we will look back what we would call this era and you know and then examining it for all of its glory or darkness or aspirations. Okay, and then once we do that, we're headed to number 9. Number nine is what are you willing to change to get closer to the life you really want? So a lot of times when I do these prompts, long before we get to number nine, I've asked you what needs to change. And that's a worthy part of introspection and, you know, getting to the end of the year. We already talked earlier about like what we would do differently and that can be related to things what needs to change, I'm often asking myself, like, what needs to change here? What could be improved? You know, what isn't working well? A lot of these different prompts when we're looking back in that is going to naturally include this line of thinking, like what's working well and what isn't. It's something that I bring up in my team meetings when we talk, you know, when we bring up in our family meetings, like that's kind of a natural thing to examine at any stage really, but especially at the end of a year like this. Well, for this question, I'm asking a little bit differently, and I'm asking it towards the end on purpose. So the way that I've worded this one again is, what are you willing to change to get closer to the life you really want? I did this for a few reasons. One is because I think we're naturally already thinking about what's working, what's not at the end of our years. And it sometimes feels like a lot easier to focus in on what's not working and to feel like very... Either frustrated or stuck in some ways because something in our life isn't working. I didn't want to focus on that at the end of 2023. There is a lot of things that a lot of us, I feel like, can identify as maybe not working. And you don't need help with a prompt for me for that. So this one is a little bit different in that it's looking at what are you willing to change to get closer to the life you really want? And this particular question came to me like this because I can identify a few things in my life that aren't working and my sort of next, not immediate thought, (laughs) but following thoughts after that will be like, I don't really want to make the changes needed to make this be perfect. Like I just don't. I'm unwilling to change this or that. Sure, I can see that it would go better if I could make these changes, but I can't commit to those changes right now. Like it's either too much money, too much time, too much effort in a direction that I'm just not willing to give all that energy to. And so instead of just constantly staying in this cycle of, well, I guess it's just going to suck forever or something, I feel like it's more intentional to say, I'm not willing to make that change right now. That is not a priority for me right now. That feels to me less haphazard and less like um, I'm messing everything up if I'm intentionally saying I can see that this thing isn't perfect but I don't have the ability to change it right now or I'm unwilling to change it right now because again it it will take resources from me that I am not prepared to give. And so that feels way more intentional than simply just throwing my hands up and being like, this doesn't work. Year after year, this doesn't work. So in this question, what are you willing to change to get closer to the life you really want? This is actually making a bit more of a commitment to the actual change. So in the past, maybe we've talked about this as just identifying what needs to change. And sometimes that's a completely worthy exercise in a conversation with someone or in your journal to just at least identify what it is that needs to change. But this is taking it a little bit of a deeper, actionable follow through of like, what are you willing to change in order to get closer to the life you really want? And it kind of forces our hand a little bit. Of all the questions on this list today, this is the one that makes me the most uncomfortable (laughs) because it is very action-oriented instead of just journaling and thinking and recapping the year for ourselves, which is where I excel, and I love that piece of it. But this one came to me as the challenge that it is, and I knew that I needed to differentiate in my life the things that I'm willing to change and the things that I am not, and that's Complicated, right? I mean, it just is. Like, I want to be a solution oriented person. It sometimes feels terrible to identify something that's going wrong and also be like, well, but I can't change that. I had a conversation this year on my team, in my work team, where um, someone was requesting that the workflow be a little bit different in a way that would have been positive. <laughs> For her and probably for everyone, like what she was suggesting was the absolute most sensical thing. Like what she was suggesting would have been the, I don't know, correct way for this workflow to happen. And I, this came out of my mouth as we were having this conversation where I was like, I cannot commit to that. (laughs) I cannot commit to making this workflow better. Because I know myself, I know my own rhythms, I know my own energy and capacity. And although I can see that what you are suggesting is sort of objectively better, it's not actually realistic to my own work life and work life balance. And I could commit to making that change because it is looks good on paper and, and would be easier in some ways. But actually, I'm unwilling to. And here's why. Now, I felt selfish when I said it because what she was suggesting would have made her life easier, would have probably made a a lot of team things sort of easier. But it was also hinging on me being the one to change the thing. And I was like, I cannot make that change, actually. And I was, the second it came out of my mouth, which I was a little like, it was kind of a bold thing to just be like, "Uh, no, I will not take this very... Pragmatic thing into consideration. (laughs) But, you know, even though it wasn't the answer that she wanted, she did end up saying, Well, okay, thank you for your honesty about it because I could have made the change and it would have messed up my work life in a way that, you know, it just wouldn't have necessarily helped me in any way. And I would have been the one that was having to make the change. This is a know thyself kind of question. And an honesty kind of question is, what are you actually willing to change to get closer to the life that you want? And maybe as different things come to your mind in conversation or in your journal, or in your thoughts, as things come to your mind that you can dismiss and be like, yeah, I'm actually not willing to make this change, maybe then it will help you release it. Because there's so many things that just like rumble around in our brain We know needs to change and we know what it would take to make those changes. And we just constantly sort of beat ourselves up for never actually making the change. If we are able to finally say, you know what, right now in this era, in this moment, I'm unwilling to make that change. And so therefore I'm going to release it for the next few months, for the next year, for the, you know, unforeseeable future until I can get to a place where I am willing to change that thing. So that's number nine. What are you willing to change to get closer to the life you really want? Okay, last but not least, number 10 on 10 questions for the end of the year. What is your wildest dream for 2024? So I always love to spend, you know, the, the last part of our looking back As looking forward. (laughs) So we have spent, you know, nine questions where we have really looked back at the year and kind of wrapped it up for ourselves, done our own sort of like closing ritual around, all right, this year is coming to a close. Whether it's been a a good season or a hard one, we don't get to choose. It's over. Now we are going to look forward. This is the hope that is provided on January one. And I always think it's funny every year, you know, there's always these curmudgeons all over the internet who are like, January 1 is just another day. Don't set any goals. You know, like people who don't love the fresh start of a new year. That is not me. And I don't even relate to that at all. I love the fresh start of a new year, even if it's just an arbitrary day, even if the calendar doesn't really mean anything, even if it's just a you know, rando day of the week, I love a fresh start at any time and especially on January 1. And I love to dream about what is coming in the new year. Now, obviously, by the time we get to end of December, a lot of us already have things on our calendar for 2024. We maybe have vacations or trips or, you know, scheduled work launches or whatever is going to happen. We were already by this time sort of in the throes of planning 2024. So it's not like we're looking ahead 10 years. We are just looking forward to what we want in the next season, in the next calendar year. 2023 brought us lessons. It brought us meaningful moments. And now we are looking forward and dreaming about what our wildest, goals or hopes or dreams for 2024 will be. Now you can take this in categories. You can maybe have one answer in your personal life, in your family life, then you have in your work life where you might have, you know, something very big on the horizon that you are really looking forward to. This is not the time to be super realistic. (laughs) I mean, I know we can all be realistic. We all know there are hopes and wants for, 2024. Of course, we always live like that. This is a time now to really be like dreaming big. And you get to decide what that means for you. Like dreaming big can just be like a huge goal or dream accomplished. It could also just be like something emotional. Like my wildest dreams for 2024 would be to have complete healing, to have complete harmony in my relationships. You know, it could be something that feels emotional or like personal growth, or it can be something really tangible. It can be like looking ahead at some sort of amazing trip or opportunity or or some kind of thing. But this is the time to sort of speak into the universe, to say out loud, to write down what our wildest dreams for 2024 are. And like so many of these other questions, this can maybe show you what your hope is in right now. It can really show you what your priority is. It can really show you what you're hoping for that you don't sort of dare dream in the more like logical, pragmatic moments of your life when you have to be a mom or a worker or a you know friend or a mortgage holder or whatever. <laughs> we all have our like sort of very logistical sides of our life. When we take a moment and get to dream big, then that can kind of show us what we want to be moving towards. You know, my therapist one time had me do this exercise where we had to like sort of sit there and close our eyes and she wanted me to dream big about something. Like, what would you what would you say would be like the, the pinnacle of the this thing I was looking forward to? And I, it was so vulnerable. Like, I didn't even want to answer her. Like, I was like, ha, 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 I'm not going to say that. You know, I mean, it's like the equivalent of like if you – are wanting to be an actor and you're like, the, my dream big would be to win an Academy Award next year. And it feels like, well, that would never happen. I'm not even in any movies to be nominated for that or something. You know, that dream feels like completely crazy. And maybe logistically for the next year, that would be crazy. But is that shining a light on what your bigger dreams are of like, oh, I guess I need to to move towards that maybe not exactly fulfilling that dream, but that is showing me that that's the direction I want to head. And it can be so scary, especially in middle adulthood, when we're no longer spring chickens, it can be so scary to dream big like that. And even part of me right now is sort of like thinking, oh, should I be like advising us to be a little more practical about our 2024? But no, This is the last question in these prompts, and this is the moment where we are going to just dream big and dream wild. What is my wildest dream for 2024, and what would that look like? And it's not going to be embarrassing if it's something that could never, ever actually happen. Look at it as imagination. Look at it as shining a little light into a part of your heart that you keep maybe covered a little bit. And so that's where we are ending our 10 questions for the end of the year with number 10, what is your wildest dream for 2024? And I hope that brings up a beautiful answer for you. I hope that all of these questions bring some connection in your life to yourself and with others, because as always, that is the goal of 10 things to tell you. I will put all of these prompts on social media. And then, like I said, I'll be doing some of them online on Instagram and journal parties where I'm at Laura.Tremaine. So make sure you're following there so that you can see when I'm going to be holding those. And then, of course, we will be exploring similar prompts and lots of different sort of lines of thought of why a journal practice can make your 2024 even better and that when you're answering these types of questions by the end of next year, you will be in a totally different position to answer them than you are now. That will all be taking place in my Journaling for grown-ups class, which will happen in January. So you will definitely want to know more about that. Journaling for grown-ups is super, super fun and useful. So thanks for listening here. I hope that you have a beautiful end to your 2023 you've just listened to an episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast for show notes and links go to 10 thingstotellyoucom make sure you're following us on facebook and instagram at 10 things to tell you and you can also join our free connection group on facebook to discuss episodes and topics for bonus content ad free episodes and monthly zoom gatherings with me join my secret stuff patreon community by going to 10 things to slash secret stuff thanks for listening